Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Taylor Raglan, who writes sports for Plano Allen and Lake Cities, as well as Brian Murphy, the sports editor for our Frisco, Little Lump, and Salina papers. And gentlemen, let's answer a couple more questions. As we've done for these past couple weeks, we're going to pull a couple entries from our from our summer question series and explore some of the various subplots and storylines in anticipation of the upcoming school year. Uh, last week, we talked about um, rivalries student sections. If you haven't had a chance to, please check out that podcast. Some good discussion there. This week we're going to pivot to uh, our first topic, uh, another uh, kind of a broad-reaching uh, subject across high school athletics, and that is enrollment. So the uh, the question, and we actually pulled this one from uh, from last week's question series that you can check out online at our website, starlocalmedia.com. Um, the question was, how much of a factor will enrollment play in a certain district's pecking order? And, you know, enrollment can be a, uh, it can be a controversial subject, depending Depending on what uh, what markets you're uh, you're talking about, and it's um I think it's kind of uh, fitting that we have you know representatives from you know Allen, Plano, and Frisco here because it's literally like the three uh, three different schools of thought when it comes to how to uh, construct a school district. You have obviously uh, Allen, which will uh, you know live and die by the uh, the one high school model, even as the as the enrollment swells to the uh, size of a Division one college, <laughs> and then you have um you know Plano ISD, which has you know three super high schools, all of with uh, enrollments of at least five thousand students. And then you have Frisco ISD, which has ten high schools, none beyond twenty one hundred students. So, um, but you know, kind of the uh, just a big picture as far as how it applies to athletics, because like I said, you know, enrollment can be a uh, can be a bit of a touchy subject, you know, especially if you're in a, uh, I mean, a district like the, um, you know, like the Plano Allen district. It's so it's so unique in that respect because you you legitimately have the four largest high schools in Texas in the same district, and that's no joke, and it's. A, the top four by uh, by a country mile. You have Allen, which is you know had the, uh, the you know the state's highest enrollment for the past four years. Uh, their most recent figure was uh, six thousand six hundred and sixty four students, and then um, you know second was Plano West at a uh, fifty six fifty four, uh, Plano East with fifty three forty three, and Plano Senior with fifty one ninety eight. Those are the only four schools in Texas with enrollments beyond five thousand kids. Um, you know Taylor, you had this question last week as you mm-hmm. kind of explored. The um, just what, what kind of an impact you see right. enrollment having on the district's pecking order, and what were you kind of able to arrive at? I mean, my conclusion is that obviously Allen and the PISD schools are kind of near the top in a lot of sports, mm-hmm. just by I mean by virtue of enrollment, by virtue of having mm-hmm. uh, a greater number of athletes to choose from. I mean, the, it's simple probability: the more you know kids you have to yeah. choose from, the better your odds are of fielding you know a, a combination of athletes that's better than other schools. But with that said, I really don't think, um, especially in, in the last iteration of 6-6-A, that enrollment uh, beyond Allen, of course, like Allen football, because that's obviously kind of a, a beast of its own, um, played that big of a role. Because you go back and you look at all the bracket sports, uh, Allen and PISD schools were near the top in a lot of them, but there's you know shocks and, and surprises and, and teams that kind of rise from the bottom. 
basically in every sport and, and in every season, uh, every year, uh, you look at like Wiley softball. Um, that was a you know a really really solid softball team, a playoff team out of six six A playoff team basically every year uh, for them. I don't remember exactly what the stat was, but we went back. It's like twenty four years, I think. Yeah, something yeah. ridiculous. So uh, obviously, you know, there's there's a benefit to having more students, but at the same time, uh, as with any level of sports, there's always going to be teams that kind of rise up, and and I think uh, we may get to it later with with Frisco Reedy is is kind of an example of that. Yeah. Like there there are sometimes schools that just enrollment certainly isn't everything. It helps, um, just like you know maybe having a nice facility helps or or uh, having a, a coach that's you know experienced success can help in certain cases so there's there's things that help any team but uh, and enrollment is certainly one of them but I don't think it's the end-all be-all for for any of our districts really because I mean you look at teams like uh, Wiley like I mentioned Lake Dallas baseball had a really good year and they're the always the smallest school in whatever district they're in yeah. so um, McKinney boy boys soccer yeah dominated yeah. that district too yeah because we were compiling the list of district champions yesterday in 6 6 for one mm-hmm. of the questions. I remember we were talking about it, and it was really evenly distributed amongst 6 I mean, yeah, yeah, Allen dominated in certain things, baseball, right. football, uh, stuff like that. But, you know, there was there's Geyer, right. Riley. Well, and it's funny you say Allen dominated in baseball because we, <laughs> we had that conversation nearly every week where they just kept continuing to win, but it wasn't like that team was... It wasn't like Allen. Beating everybody fifteen to two. Yeah, it, oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it wasn't. Granted, like, I never saw any. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You're no, you're exactly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. wouldn't know, but yeah. but it's it's a it's kind of a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, Allen won the district in baseball, but I don't think that team was oh, there's parity a better, all across a better collection of baseball yeah. players than any other mm-hmm. team, especially you know like the PIC schools that are kind of equivalent a little bit uh, in enrollment, and then you know some of the other schools, Geyer, uh, schools like that. So I think that's mm-hmm. actually a pretty good example of. You know, enrollment certainly isn't everything. It's an inter- it's an interesting case study, and I went back just to check just what kind of impact um, enrollment did have on this past school year, and I used it um, basically by gauging how um, how many playoff berths each of the teams in District Six Six A, this previous mm-hmm. District Six Six A, so Allen Plano ISD, McKinney ISD, right. Denton Geyer and Wiley, how many times each school made the playoffs. Um, so just to kind of set the uh, just set the table, I mean, like we said, this district has the four largest high schools in Texas. And they do comprise. Yes. They do comprise a large chunk of the total student body within District Six Six A. Um, I did actually add up the numbers um, between Allen and the three uh, the three Plano schools. They account for almost seventy percent of the total enrollment yeah. in District Six Six A. So a massive chunk That's for sure. Now, how did that correlate though to success on the field? It's one thing to have the perception that oh, because you know these schools are bigger, that they had right. this built-in advantage. Um, but did it really materialize that way? Um, so I went through and checked um, the number of, uh, of playoff berths that each that each school acquired over the 2017-18 school year. Now you got to factor in there's eight standings-based sports, you know, mm-hmm. volleyball, football, basketball, soccer, baseball, softball, and there's four playoff berths in each sport. So 32 possible playoff berths were attainable um, within that district. Um, of those 32, Allen and Plano ISD combined for 18. So about not as many as you think. About 56 percent. 
Okay. So I was going to say it's not seventy percent. It's not. Yeah, no, no, no. Right. It's not. It definitely didn't stack up to where it was just this overwhelming advantage. Right. And then when you factor in that of those uh, of those uh, eighteen, eight of them belong to Allen. Allen, which made the playoffs in all eight sports. Which, as far as I've been able to find out, that's the first time that has ever happened. They had um, just a year like no other. Um, but yeah. So beyond that, though, you, that means you had forty-four percent of the uh, remaining playoff berths were distributed among McKinney, ISD, Geyer, and Wiley. So it wasn't just this, you know, just oh, what was us? You know, we have no chance. How do we ever compete with and that? And those are playoff bursts, too. Those aren't necessarily district championships yeah. either. It's not like yeah. you know, Allen and PISD are out there winning every <laughs> every sport. I mean, it's it's a combination of stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously, playoff bursts are the important part. I mean, you want district championships, but yeah. it's not like you know they're they're out there just distributing trophies mm-hmm. between the four of them in every single sport. That never happens. Just to rank them, so obviously, Allen, like I said, Allen made the playoffs in all eight sports. They obviously had the most yeah. as far as playoff berths go. Second place, you had a tie for, with uh, with five playoff berths last year between Denton Geyer. Denton Geyer, who was the second smallest school in District 6XA, mm-hmm. and Plano Senior, which is the fourth largest, the smallest of the three Plano schools. And I say smallest mm-hmm. in quotation marks, since they're still the, the fourth largest school <laughs> yeah, in the state. Not small. So you had those two schools that had five apiece. And um, then behind them, you had uh, McKinney. McKinney High, who's the fifth largest school in the district, they had four playoff berths. And then you had a tie between Plano West, the second largest school, and McKinney Boyd, the sixth largest, with three apiece. And then rounding it out, you had two apiece for Plano East, third largest, and Wiley, the eighth. So outside of, you know, first play, you know, the, the largest school in the district had the most, and these you know, the school with the smallest enrollment had the least. Those are the only real consistencies. Everything right. else was pretty much kind of backing up the idea that there was a lot more parity in this district yep. than people might have realized. Um, how long, uh, Brian, kind of uh, been kind of turning the page to Frisco ISD, again, a district that has just the, the complete opposite <laughs> from a, uh, you know, from a, a structure standpoint. Um, you know, these, uh, between the, I guess, the eight Frisco schools that occupied 13-5A last year. Um, I mean, we, uh, you know, we talked about there was, I mean, the gap between Plano Senior and McKinney, the fourth and fifth largest schools, is more than 2,000 kids. Yeah. Meanwhile, the gap between the largest Frisco school, which in the most, according to the most recent figures, Centennial with 2,024 students in Frisco, 1527, little over 500 kids. So I mean, just kind of, but um, you know, in your time covering that district, just kind of what uh, what kind of, how does kind of enrollment impact Frisco ISD from an athletics perspective? What's Allen's enrollment? 66, 64. Yeah. <laughs> Something ridiculous. You could fit almost five Frisco's. In Allen, just in just Frisco High, I, yeah. I multiplied it by four. Yeah. Frisco's uh, enrollment figure, which is one thousand five hundred and twenty-seven, yeah. multiplied by four, it's six thousand one hundred and eight. Wow! And uh, so that's <laughs> less than four <laughs> Allens, or yeah, that's that's mind-boggling. So it, it kind of showed in, in Frisco's play this year. They only made the playoffs in one mm-hmm. sport, uh, but it wasn't so much a factor for Frisco Reedy, who is huh? seventh. On the list, uh, just 300 kids more uh, than Frisco. They made the playoffs in six sports. Yeah, you know they dominated in a lot of sports: girls basketball, volleyball, just to name a few. So it really didn't affect Reedy as much as it affected other teams like Frisco. Mm-hmm. The um, and I mean, just looking across because I mean, I did the same research project for Frisco ISD as well. And you have, I mean, yeah, like I said, Reedy, the second smallest school in the district, made it six times. You have Wakeland, which is the fourth largest school in Frisco, they made it six times as well. You know, then you have Centennial, Lone Star, the top two. You know, from an enrollment perspective, they each made it five. Liberty, the third, made it four. So that's I mean, just right there though, you have five of the uh, you know five of the eight schools made the playoffs in in at least half of the uh, of the bracket sports. Yeah, it's pretty evenly well distributed. And I thought it was interesting that Lone Star went from. Um, what did they mm-hmm. go from? Eighth 
to second in just two years in enrollment, mm-hmm. and they've dominated in a lot of sports. Maybe it could be because the the enrollment mm-hmm. spike. Right. They get a lot of kids from uh, Little M. I think in 2017 it was like 43, 40 something percent of their students actually live mm-hmm. with a little in a Little Elm address. So maybe that could be a factor. But you know, you look at Wakeland fourth in enrollment in the district and you know so many district titles I, I'd have to do <laughs> go back and yeah. research how many district titles they won mm-hmm. but the two state titles in boys and girls soccer they're competitive in every sport mm-hmm. made the made a playoffs in six different sports so you know enrol- enrollment make is a factor and then it also isn't at the same time mm-hmm. in Frisco yeah, I think just kind of the general vibe just kind of build on what you were saying initially Taylor is that like uh, yes obviously to a, to a certain extent it does matter because like you said it is just simple like just a, a game of probabilities and just being able to draw from right. a larger talent pool that just increases your odds of being able to field a more competitive product right. but at the same time like it, it you know to simply just you can only take that so far because yeah. at some point you know it, to simply just say well, ah, you know what they had more kids they should win they or whatnot. That, that, first off that, that just diminishes the impact of things like coaching mm-hmm. and just the general culture of an athletics program the, just the, the superstars ro- yeah the ro- it only takes one superstar to you know come in and impact mm-hmm. the team you don't need 6,000 kids to draw from if you end up with the next now what sport know, are we talking about here just you i mean basketball you can just use one superstar right. or yeah, yeah. volleyball but like i think that football, i think that's also probably a reason why allen football is kind of the outlier i mean numbers, uh, yeah. The, yeah. allen has the numbers sports work is like depth in football is different from having right. depth in like baseball or yeah something even like baseball that. where you field uh you know a, a team of nine players or softball it's you know one person one stud pitcher one i mean look at Lake Dallas and Mason Meeks, smallest team mm-hmm. in the district by a pretty wide margin. But when you have a guy that you can run out every Friday and, and it's basically an auto win if you take care of business, that's, I mean, it doesn't matter how many kids mm-hmm. you have in your school because you have a, a talent mm-hmm. that comes through that kind of negates the impact of that. So. Or in boys basketball with R.J. Hampton, Little mm-hmm. Elm, just how one transcendent player can just lift an entire program up. I mean, no knock on Rusty Siegler and the rest of that team, but R.J. Hampton has really put them on the map. Yeah, yeah. He's, one of the, he's one of the top players yeah. in the country. That's, yeah, I mean, that's what they just in a sport, especially like basketball, mm-hmm. where it is, you know, easier for one, you know, singular talent to stand yeah, out. And that's right. on any level of basketball, yeah. from the NBA to college, high school, mm-hmm. yeah. middle school, what have you. Right. If you have a superstar in basketball, you're set. I think it's also worth noting, though, that just the role that the athletes do play, though, and just willing, the willingness to sacrifice mm-hmm. and buy into that, uh, just that, that team called the willingness to sacrifice for the betterment of the team, which, let's be real, that's easier said than done, especially in today's, you know, athletics climate, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, to simply reduce a school's, you know, success to a numbers game, it's kind of a it's a bit of a narrow minded approach, yep. um, especially considering that hey, we're we live in Texas and this is a state that you know tends to champion depth as right. one of the reasons why they have you know some of the best maybe the best high school sports in the country. So it seems a little contradictory then to uh, you know to you know to to decry otherwise. What I've what I've always wanted to see is the state champions in each. Uh, class mm-hmm. play each other just to see what it'd be like you know have the right. the 2a play the 6a you well know? it was it's interesting because actually you know speaking of meeks i, I talked to him this week for a, a profile and he was at the uh the all-state all-star game mm-hmm. uh, the coach association all-star game and he said they got down there early and the five and six a kids sat and watched like the 2a through 4a game or whatever it was and he was like some of those dudes were I mean, easily competing with us, better than us. I mean, it just depends on where you live. So it kind of goes back to, you know, the same argument we just made where it's it's about the athletes. It's about, you know, maybe you have, you know, a, a better culture. Maybe you have, if you have 
nine of the best baseball players or you have nine dudes that are completely bought into you know one specific thing um, then you know maybe enrollment doesn't matter so much and and I, I would like to see that too and I've always said that that you know the the lower classifications kind of hide some mm-hmm. some really really impressive talent mm-hmm. sometimes and some really really good teams especially in I guess non-football sports because football obviously is still a little different mm-hmm. but look at Argyle you know, yeah. Argyle, they yeah. dominate in baseball, football, everything, girls, girls <laughs> basketball. They do, I yeah. And, you know, in their non district schedule, they play against Lone Star. And, and for, I'm talking mm-hmm. about girls' basketball. Yeah, yeah. They play against Canyon and other, you know, mm-hmm. five and six A powers, and they beat them or they're highly competitive with them. So I, I think, you know, like an Argyle girls' basketball team from, I think, last year, my first year here, I think they were the best team in the state, or they could have been, you know, and they could have hung with the Duncanville and, right. and the six A's. So. And I think it's all about the kids, like you said, and the facilities mm-hmm. and coaching has a huge factor in that yeah. too. So that's uh, that's a look at enrollment and just kind of the uh, the role, at least you know, within uh, just a couple of our districts as far as the role that we kind of foresee it playing in the pecking order and just how those results have translated over the previous school year. So we will pick this up uh, right in just a sec with another entry from our question series after a word from this sponsor. Today's Student Athlete Spotlight is brought to you by Bavarian Grill, authentic Bavarian food and beer garden. Listed by the Zagat Survey as the highest rated German restaurant in Texas for 12 years in a row. 12 years! That's three presidential terms. Uh, you can enjoy traditional and authentic spring favorites now. Everything from appetizers like slow-roasted ham hock and potato pancakes to entrees like bratwurst or breaded schnitzel. Uh, bring your whole family for lunch and dinner. They are open Tuesday through Saturday located off Parker and Highway 75 in Plano, Bavarian Grill. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are going to round this out with another entry from our ongoing summer question series. This is an entry for this coming installment, and that is simply exploring. Uh, let's talk about some teams that missed the playoffs in 2017-18 that we think will make the playoffs in 2018-19. That's always one of the uh, just the fun subplots for each sport is just seeing potential yep. bounce back candidates. Which teams you know took their lumps one right. year ago and have a chance to really kind of build on that and turn in a uh, you know a solid season one year later. So um, I mean, there's a bunch bunch of different ways we can go with this. Brian, what were some? Uh, what was an example that you kind of just immediately sprung to mind when you were thinking about this? Little on football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a little on homer, so I've been on the record for that, uh, I'll admit. But um, little on football, they went 7-3 and three last year. They started 3-0, and oh, and, you know, there's kind of this buzz like, oh, can little Elm, you know, beat Prosper? Can they be the district champs of 14-5A? You know, they had some of the pieces. And then things just kind of fell apart. Lost to Lake Dallas. Lost to McKinney North the last two games of the year. Didn't make the playoffs with a 7-3 and three record, mm-hmm. which is absurd. Now they go into a district against teams that they struggled against a few years ago. The Frisco ISD teams, uh, the, the Lone Stars, Wakeland, Centennials, what have you. But I think they have a legitimate chance to finish as high as second. I won't wow. say they're going to dethrone Lone Star, even though they lose MJ Rivers and Nick Bolton, mm-hmm. all the superstars. But I think they can compete with Wakeland and a playoff team like Centennial from last year, they don't have to deal with Reedy. <laughs> Reedy went to Division Two, so that you know that makes things a little bit easier. Uh, but they will definitely be in the playoff mix. Maybe as high as two. If they win the district title, then you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not predicting. I'm sure none of our predictions <laughs> yeah. will be wrong. We're, we're that's, clearly... That's a bold proclamation. You're just considering Little Elm's previous history against yeah. the Frisco schools and the fact that they are going to be in a much more competitive district top to bottom they than 14 so 5 so much better than they were when they mm-hmm. were in that district in 2012 sure. to 2014. So much better. They have a quarterback uh, who's been a starter for two years now. He's going to be a senior. 
their offensive line is pretty much all coming back, mm-hmm. all district players there. They have one of the top recruits in the area, and Brandon Crossley. He's a defensive back. They're going to use him as, uh, well, you know, wide out, punt returner, kick returner, whatever. He's <laughs> been getting offers from TCU, SME, all these D1 schools around here and across the, the south and whatnot. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch. It's right. definitely in the playoffs. <laughs> Mark it down. Uh, Taylor, where did you land on this? Um, I think that most of my experience since I got here was uh, 6A, uh, especially baseball and softball. And, and looking over, you know, those kind of uh, those climates and, and where those teams are headed, I think that Plano West softball may be due for uh, a pretty big rebound year. I think that this year was a little bit of an anomaly in the fact that they lost Tatum Boyd early, uh, Stanford commit, you know. Plano West superstar softball player. She went down uh, really early in district and, and missed uh, several games in a row. I think they lost six in a row after she went out. So it kind of just derailed the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, but that team was young anyway. I mean, there's a there's a pretty large sophomore class there, pretty large um, just underclassmen uh, contingent in general. Uh, Boyd and Elisa Rosado uh, will be coming back for their fourth years on the varsity uh, at the varsity level. Uh, they play varsity every single year there. They're, they're leaders. They kind of make up the core of, of that leadership group. Uh, and I think that, that this was a down year that was caused a lot by things kind of outside of outside of West control. I think they were young and a little bit inexperienced. I think Boyd's injury, like I said, just completely threw everything off the rails. Uh, and they have uh, her coming back, Rosada coming back, uh, a lot of a lot of girls that that kind of got their first taste of varsity and, mm-hmm. and have now gotten their legs underneath them a little bit. They had an okay finish to the season after Boyd came back. They were competitive mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of games when when she came back and she you know couldn't even hit at that point because her, she broke her finger and it was still yeah. you know not in a way that that she could handle a bat. But uh, I think just with all that uh, and and kind of the the pedigree of the program. Uh, they're not accustomed to having seasons like they had. Uh, I think that that will kind of, and, and head coach Mike Letzum said as much, that it's already kind of fueling them and, and um, really pushing them to, to get back in. And I think the pieces are there. I think this was kind of a blip on the radar, not an indication that it's a program that's actually down. It's um yeah when you kind of look at what kind of contributes to teams that are kind of in prime bounce back position it's usually like you just mentioned you know teams that are either young right. or just or have like just are steeped in tradition and just happen to have one of those years where just things just kind of went off the rails and that was um kind of thinking I mean because I have I mean a bunch of different potential candidates but this was um it was a weird year last year for Plano West basketball in general it was the first year since 2003 that both the boys and the girls missed the playoffs in the same season and these are two I mean you talk about Plano West basketball and it is as consistent as it gets over the years um, but both teams were um, you know on the boys side they were like we just mentioned very young they do they only they had uh, they only had one senior on the team and it was a team that started off the year really hot and then the collective weight of district 668 kind of right. got the better of them had a you know a bit of an underwhelming home stretch to the uh, you know to the district season I mean when the state champion doesn't even win the district that's yeah, a that's, that's pretty that's solid all district. you can know about the district <laughs> yeah but um you know obviously they're going to have that experience though in their favor they do have one of the top scores in the area and Ryan Zambi, and it's a team that again, just the they and they've kind of been through this before. Once they, uh, you know, once their state championship team graduated the following year, and it was just a bunch of kids that you know hadn't really played many, you know, significant varsity minutes. I mean, it was the, you took your, you know, your expected lumps, experience, your growing pains. But a right. lot of those kids were back the following year, and I believe they finished third in the district or fourth, I think it was. They finished fourth in the district, and then went on to upset the uh, the number one seed from uh, from District Five Six A in the uh, in the postseason. So it's there is a uh, template there for Plano West. 
us rebounding after years like this. You know, with the Plano West girls, um, I mean, they it's just a matter of just simply finding just another, just some, a way to just alleviate some of the uh, scoring burden from Jay right. Owens, who is, you know, pound for pound as good a scorer as there is in the Metroplex, could go for 30 a night on most nights. But even then, you know, it was still a, a struggle to find other, you know, resources for offense. And in a district like 6-6A where, I mean, you know, you had teams that were capable of offsetting, you know, Owens scoring with, you know, with two players here and there. Right. It was just, a, that was a little bit tougher to overcome. So I think, you know, at least one of those teams is primed for a bounce back to get back into the playoffs. You can say the same thing on the football field with a team like Plano East and, uh, and McKinney Boyd. Where, I mean, Plano East just had, I mean, just the, the season from hell last year with just all of the, uh, just right. all the injuries that they incurred, especially at the running back position, which was kind of supposed to be their identity. Mm-hmm. They, um, they looked like world beaters in that second game of the season against Jesuit with Trey Hunter and, uh, you know, Jonathan Meadows just running roughshod on the Rangers. And I believe that was the last game when both of those running backs were healthy and at 100% in the, uh, for the same time. So they just, they were never ever able to really kind of get back on track and kind of, uh, build off of that performance right. and largely yep. because of just the injury bug. They were hit at, you know, hit hard at running back with both, you know, Metters and Hunter sustaining injuries. They were hit hard at on the offensive line, some of their key lines. So kind of their identity was really hamstrung by the injury bug. Um, they, they do have a lot of experience back in their favor. Obviously, they do graduate those running backs that I mentioned, but quarterback Brandon Mallory's mm-hmm. back. They do have just about every yard that they mustered receiving-wise last year. So it's a team that does have potential, at least offensively, to be among the better ones in 9-6A. Um, we'll see what strides can be made on the defensive end. Obviously, they took their lumps on that side, too, yep. most notably giving up 599 yards to one player. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, but they do still do have a you know a cast of standout you know college bound talents there too. Guys like you know Tyler Owens, Zach right. Wachiku, yep. uh, Josh Blagowski. So the, the talent is there. It's just a matter of now just bringing it all together because it's yep. it's certainly a team that does have the potential and should you know should be able to at least get back into that playoff mix. And you could say the same thing for McKinney Boyd, a team that is not accustomed to uh, you know to going without the. Uh, Going without postseason football, right. and it's a team like uh, you know they they went through some uh, you know some injury woes of their own, but it's also a it was also a young team you know and they mm-hmm. bring back a lot of they actually had one of the better defenses period in District Six Six A. They do bring back some of the main contributors from that, um, notably you know, uh, def, you know defensive back Play Wyatt, and then um, on offense you know they you know they had to work through some injuries at quarterback last year, but Colin Drake got some experience under his belt in case he's called upon this year to uh, you know to come in relief for Christian Ziegler who's the you know who's the starter. So there is talent there, and Boyd should be primed to bounce back as well. What a backtrack. Ryan Zambi. I heard, I've heard a lot about him. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him play live. Well, you, I don't know if you've heard of Ryan Zambi, the Plano West star. He was before you came here. Yeah, I don't know. I think the first basketball game I covered was already in the playoffs, and gotcha. it was like Allen and Duncanville okay, girls or something. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen much of them, no. So where did he end up on the all-district list? That's a good was, question. Was he, he wasn't MVP. He was not the oh, MVP. Oh, because he was in there with six six A. Yeah. So it would have been Jalen Wilson. It was probably Arnold. first team. I don't have the list in front of me, but I would guess first team. Anything. Is he getting any like D one looks into that? Not yet. Not that I've heard yet. Because I've heard a lot of good things about. I remember Tim. Mm-hmm. We uh, used to show like telling me all this. Stuff oh yeah. That I'm seeing he's averaging twenty three points a game. 35 inch. Oh, sorry, I'm on a tangent about Ryan. <laughs> no, no, you're good. <laughs> like, you're good. I just wanted to, to bring that up. But yeah, so speaking with boys basketball yes. transition, um, <laughs> a team that I think could make the playoffs uh, in Frisco ISD next year that didn't this past year is the Wakeland boys basketball team. Mm-hmm. You know, they finished five and nine, sixth place, tied for uh, fifth actually in the district with Frisco, and you're like, oh, man, how are they going to beat out you know Lone Star Heritage, Liberty, all those top teams right now? 
But I mean, they lose their one of their top scorers in Mason Dukes, yeah. who graduated. But they also return, you know, a freshman, uh, Cooper Cisco, who's one of their top scorers. I think he was their second leading scorer as only a freshman. Uh, Jason Dukes, Mason Dukes' little brother, he's a sophomore. He's coming back uh, next year. And this guy that really intrigues me is Austin Lewis. He's a six foot ten, uh, one hundred eighty pound big man. He's going to come back be a junior next year. He was one of their big contributors. Mm-hmm. So I think Wakeland could also surprise some people next year on the on the on the court. A couple other teams just kind of off the uh, off the beaten path out of our markets that uh, you keep an eye on as far as just potential bounce back opportunities. Flower Mountain baseball missed the playoffs for the first time, and I believe Justin Thomas was able to uh, uncover that it was maybe the first time ever, and if not ever <laughs> since like the early years, since Oops. like maybe the first or second year of the program. So it's been a long time. And this is Flower Mound, which has been one of the most consistent programs in the state for for a long time. Right. Um, so I mean, what are the odds that's going to happen two years in a row? Yeah. And then you look at a team like West Mesquite, which is kind of similar to Little Elm, as you mentioned, Brian. West Mesquite won seven games last year and missed the playoffs with a plus five hundred district record. So I mean, that's just playing in a that's just playing in a competitive district like fifteen five A was. It was just the second time that the Wranglers had missed the playoffs since two thousand six. So again, I just would play the uh, the odds game right. and suggest yeah. that, that does not happen. You know, two years in a row. Um, let's see, we have any other candidates for, uh, for bounce back, or is that uh, just um, about to do it? I had uh, out of, I guess, 14-5A moving into 8-5A, mm-hmm. Lake Dallas Girls Soccer, yeah. I think potentially. Uh, another case where uh, it's just a young team, huge sophomore class, uh, sophomore goalkeeper in uh, Sydney Frazier, uh, really, really good, um, and that's important, obviously, in soccer. You can you can build outward from the net a little bit if you have um, you know somebody back there that you can rely on not to, you know, take those mistakes and, and let them uh, affect you negatively. So I think uh, Lake Dallas Girls Soccer potentially uh, just has a, a step forward. They lose Prosper. I think that's for a lot of those 8-5-A teams that are moving over, uh, just dropping Prosper is, is automatically going to increase the odds because I think that was a program or a school that was ready to make the jump. They were dominating at everything. It was kind of Prosper and then everybody else fight for 2-3-4 just because of the nature of how good they've gotten. So I think there may be an opportunity for for Lake Dallas soccer to jump up, and then back to to previously six six A softball, uh, kind of the opposite of Plano West, and, and a team that I'm really interested in seeing what happens is Plano East softball. <laughs> yes, because I think that this this down year for them and missing the playoffs was a lot. Um, I don't know if if uh, a lot more drastic or a lot more detrimental is the word, but it definitely feels like a bigger missed opportunity for East because now they're going to lose Amy Jensen, uh, Bella Konecka, um, Gabby Lopez. They're losing a lot, so it, it kind of feels like they missed uh, an opportunity this year to make a deep run after making a deep run uh, last mm-hmm. season. But at the same time, it's Plano East, and they're kind of another program that's that's always good, usually in the playoffs. Uh, they'll uh, have Carson Armijo back as a junior. Uh, so there's there's potential there for them to kind of right the ship just, again, based on pedigree. I don't think that they're um, in as good of a long-term position at the moment, maybe, as Plano West, just because they're a little older and they lost a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a program that you know takes a lot of pride in making the playoffs and, and being a perennial contender, and, and I don't know if they... Uh, they missed the playoffs two years in a row. So that's a look at some potential uh, bounce back teams and teams that we think you know will make the playoffs. If we're missing it the year before, we'll see how many of those actually pan out. <laughs> obviously, if any, all of them. Obviously, if all of them do, then we want all the credit and none of the blame. So, um, <laughs> so basically, yeah, that's uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. Taylor, Brian, appreciate y'all for tagging along, folks. That'll just about do it. Y'all enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. 
Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.